Okay, well, welcome. Uh, can you guys all hear me all right? If I just talk like this, we were trying to get the microphones in here, but it didn't work out. But can everybody hear me okay? Awesome. Welcome. Thank you for coming. My name is Brett Riceley. Um, I'm just a normal, average guy from Salt Lake City, Utah. Um, information about who I am and what I do is over there on that table. It's kind of a resource table from things, everything from signing up for you know our ministry newsletter and church planting, all the stuff that we do, to free resources that you guys can take home that if it may be helpful to you, take it. If it doesn't look helpful, that's okay. You can just leave it there. But uh, anything that I can do to be a resource to encourage you in this process is what I'm here for. Um, and so uh, Bob's not in the room, but I just want to say thanks, Bob, for in the leadership here at Creekside for having me. Um, to do this. Uh, my goal in all of this is to equip and encourage and empower you guys to feel really awesome about going out into the places where you live, where you work, where you play, where you do business, and to be a follower of Jesus in that context in a way that actually makes a difference, um, like we see in the New Testament, where people were salt and light. And a, a city on a hill, Jesus said, cannot be hidden. Um, and so my hope is to hopefully encourage you in that way. And I'll be the first to say tonight that I am not an expert on anything I'm about to say tonight. I am just a normal dude that learned a lot of this stuff from other people. And even the handout that you have before you was written by one of my friends named Michael Cooper. Um, and so he and I teach this type of stuff. And so this is his, some of it's his, some of it's mine, some of it's a lot of other things. But the, the goal is it's the kingdom's stuff. And so we're trying to give it away. Um, and so uh, let me pray and then I'll, we'll, get jump, we'll just jump right in here if that's all right. Uh, Father... Thank you so much for this opportunity to gather as the church. I thank you, God, that there's people from different cities and different churches and different areas. And God, the thing that unites us all is the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And God, I thank you that that is the common foundation that we stand on tonight. And Father, I pray that everything that I say would be pleasing and edifying to you. God, I pray that uh, everyone in this room would leave equipped and empowered and encouraged to share the gospel um, to demonstrate the gospel and to live a life that is, uh, is radiantly beautiful before your eyes. And so, God, I pray that you would remove me and all the things that I might say in my flesh, and I pray that you would speak through me. God, and I pray that uh, uh, everything I say would be a blessing to these people and a blessing to you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so this is, I'm a pretty casual guy, so if you guys have questions in the midst of this and uh, if you want to just raise your hand and let me know, this is, this is a workshop, so hopefully this is not going to be me just preaching or teaching at you. I want this to be interactive and fun, and so there will be at some point, I'll give you guys a heads up, at some point you will be doing some th workshop type of things together at the table that you're at. So if you're looking at your table and saying, I don't know if I want to work with this guy, you better move now. <laughs> so move now. I'll give you a second if you want to do that. Um, but part of the goal um, in a lot of what I do uh, is, is to make it tangible and practical. Uh, I grew up in a small town in southwest Nebraska called McCook, Nebraska. Anybody ever heard of McCook? So that's where I was born and raised. Spent 18 years of my life there. Went to college in Omaha, Nebraska. Um, went to Bible college at Nebraska Christian College. Anybody heard of that? Pretty small, but it's there. Um, great college, great university. Uh, met my wife there. We got married in 2008. Um, we've been in full-time ministry since 2008. Uh, we did ministry in Omaha, Nebraska for six years, and then we moved to uh, Salt Lake City, Utah. God called us out there to do uh, missionary work there in a place that we'd never been and never thought we'd ever end up in a place like that, um, but now by the grace of God, we love that place, and we call it our home. 
Um, and so we've been out there for five years, and over the last three years, uh, me and my wife and another couple of people, we've been a part of starting a new congregation in Salt Lake City, and it's called Redeeming Life Church, um, and I'm one of the two pastors there. I'm the pastor of mobilization, which is just a really fancy term for helping people get out in the world and do stuff. <laughs> um, and so that's my job, is to help with evangelism and discipleship, missions locally, globally, all that stuff, and to encourage people to go be the church in the world, and that's my job, and I love it. Um, and so that's a little bit about me. I'm lucky to have my uh, father-in-law here, Todd. He's, he's a part of this community. And so we were here yesterday um, at the Urbandale Parade and sweating tremendously. And it was great. It was fun. Um, and so we had fun. I hope you guys had a great fourth as well. And so um, we're going to jump into the stuff right now. What you guys have on your table, you should all have one of these packets. Uh, does anybody not have one of these little packets? Anybody not have one? Okay, Bob is currently making copies for you. So when Bob... Bob comes back. Here's an extra one here. Here's an extra one here. Anyone else need one? Thank you. You need one back here? I'll take this back here. Anyone else? Yes, you're welcome. Cool. All right, we've got one more up here. So if anyone else comes in, just holler at me. So what we're going to go through is we're just kind of, I'm going to talk through this really, really briefly, but this is for you to keep. And hopefully, my, my hope and desire is that you take it and you teach this to somebody else. You teach this to a small group or a guy, that, guy or a woman that maybe you're discipling. Small group, your church, your leadership team. If it's useful, please use it. If it's not, I won't be offended. Um, and so this is yours to keep. And so what we're going to talk about tonight is uh, platform evangelism. It's kind of a weird term. I don't know if you guys have heard that before. But evangelism, we all know, uh, is to share the good news, right? It comes from that Greek word, uh, sharing the good news. And so uh, before we get into the mechanics of platform evangelism, I want to start with why would we even do this in the first place? Um, I believe if there's, if there's not a solid foundation of why we do what we do in the Christian church, uh, a lot of what we end up doing kind of ends to drift from the actual truth of our convictions if we're not remembering why do we do this? What do we stand on? And so um, one of many verses that I think helps us see why we would try to reach our relational network, which is the people that you live, work, and play near, why would we want to do that? Or even maybe the better question is, why should we do that? Um, you guys are all probably familiar with the Great Commission, right? The Great Commission is found in all four Gospels in the book of Acts. But in 2 Corinthians 5, uh, the Apostle Paul writes a great letter, and then he's talking about how our lives as Christians as now you should be different. We have a new heavenly dwelling. We've got a new place to look for. Our hope has changed. Our life has changed. And we are now new, and we are different. And in it, chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians, starting in verse 17, says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of of reconciliation. Notice that he has entrusted us with the ministry of reconciliation, and he's entrusted us with the message of reconciliation. Just notice that. Verse 20, therefore, because we've been entrusted with the message and the ministry, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. That's amazing. We implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him, meaning Jesus, to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Um, and so on the back, on the very back of your sheet, um, you can kind of see 
a, a, a drawing of what this kind of illustrates very, very simply. Um, we are, the little stick figure is, we are new, right? Because of the merits and the perfect and the finished work of Christ, we're new. Jesus gets our sin. We get his righteousness. We are now ambassadors for Christ, representing him, his message, his rule, his reign, his kingdom. We are his ambassadors. And therefore, that little world or that little globe thing now means now we are people that are saved now with a message and a ministry. And so the reason we do platform evangelism is, re- is one, that's one of many verses that we could talk about tonight. We haven't been saved just to be sidelined and just sit and watch the game run out. We've been saved, and Jesus has made us all, every single person, not just pastors, not just leaders in the church, not just elders, not just deacons, every single believer that has been redeemed by God has now been given a message and a ministry to share with the whole world. So that's the biblical basis, and there's many other verses that we could talk about. Um, 1 Peter 2.9 talks about the priesthood of believers. We are all a royal priesthood, a chosen race, a holy nation, a redeemed people that have been brought out of darkness and brought into his marvelous light so that we would proclaim the excellencies of him who brought us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. I switched those parts around. But the point is we've been saved, right? We've been redeemed out of darkness into his light. Therefore, we have to go out and tell people that there is hope, there is truth, there is something more than just going through life, right? So that is kind of the basis for what we're going to talk about tonight. So if you want to turn to page two of this, what we're going to do is you guys have this packet and you kind of work through it. The first two pages are basically the nuts and bolts of what we're going to talk about. But then this page right here is going to be your worksheet tonight. So if you want to turn to this page right here, and just go ahead and get there. I think it's page four, technically. Turn to this page, and we will get to that in just a second. So the first thing that we want to talk about in platform evangelism is, what, is we talked about why, and then we're going to de- we need to develop a strategy. We need to figure out what are the platforms that you guys are already in, okay? And so uh, determining your platforms, you can just look at areas of where you live, where you work, and where you play. These are the places where you are naturally already at and you have the ability to have some kind of influence. It's not weird that you're there. Does that make sense? Because a lot of times in evangelism, everything gets weird, right? Right? You guys have seen videos. You might have been on trips. You might have seen the guy on the street corner doing his thing, and it might be weird. Like, why is this guy yelling at me? I don't even know who this guy is. So if you are at a job, we believe God has placed you there very specifically and very intentionally to be his ambassador at that job. He's placed you in your neighborhood to be an ambassador for Christ in that neighborhood. He's placed you in the places that you go and play, whether it's a gym and you go work out there. He's placed you there because there's people around there that need to know about Christ. If you go to a community council and you sit on the board there, he's placed you there to be a salt, to be light in that neighborhood, in that community, in that context. Okay? And so what we're going to do with this worksheet is, you guys should all have pens, is I want you to start listing um, what your platforms are what you think they are. Start with your job. If you guys, almost most of us probably have a job. Some of us maybe have two, maybe three. Start there. Write down all the platforms that you can think of, and then later we're going to boil it down to your top three, and then we're going to boil it down to your primary platform that you think is your best place of influence in the people that you're already around right now today. We're not talking about getting a new platform. Where's, where's God placed you right now today? Where do you work where do you live? Write down your neighborhood. If it's, if it's Urbandale, just write down Urbandale or maybe the street that you're on, you know, Oak Drive or whatever it might be. If you guys have kids in school and maybe you're on the PTA, write down the school that you're involved in. 
start writing down some of those platforms. Any questions on that as we get going? Cool. Pretty, pretty simple stuff. But this is something that we, we did at our church in Redeeming Life, and keep working as I'm talking, keep working on your platforms. But we did this at Redeeming Life, and we taught this class, and we, it was so cool to see the light bulb come on for so many people. Um, because I think a lot of times, uh, I grew up in, in church my whole life um, and never heard things like this. I mean, we know, that, we know that we should share the gospel, right? We all know that, I think. We all know that we should study the Bible. We all know we should pray. We all know that we should do certain things. But unfortunately, sometimes the church, and I'm, I'm guilty of this as well, as a pastor, I'm not great sometimes at equipping people to know how to go do those things. I've not taught people how to actually share the gospel. How do you pray? We have a lot of new believers in our church that started in, uh, three years ago, we started with 10 people in a living room with metal folding chairs. Uh, three years later, we have 60 or 70 people, and it's still as messy as it was on day one. <laughs> messy meaning that people are in process. People don't know everything, and we live in Utah, which is 2% Christian. The whole state is 2% evangelical Christians like me and you. So it's literally an unreached people group. 70% of the state is Mormon, and 28% is atheist or agnostic. And so unlike the Midwest, that state doesn't have a background of this. They don't have a background where their grandma or their grandpa went to church. They don't have a background where they saw someone growing up reading the Bible. They've never seen that. If they've seen anything, they've seen Mormonism. And you probably all know as well as I do, Mormonism is not Christianity. It is a, it's a heretical belief system. And so we have to model for people as they come to faith in our church how to do the basics. And I think even sometimes in the Midwest, I think I could have benefited as I grew up from learning the basics, right? A lot of us play sports or watch sports, and what do they always talk about? The fundamentals, right? Todd, correct me if I'm wrong, right? The fundamentals are key. If you can't do the fundamentals right, the rest of the stuff really is not going to go as well as you want it to go. And so this is fundamental in our understanding of being a Christian, wherever God's placed you, the fundamentals are share the gospel, make disciples, Pray for lost people, study your Bible, pray. All these kinds of things are basic, but if we don't practice them, we don't know how to do them. And so uh, f- hopefully this platform thing is helping you. So have you guys kind of got your, your basic platforms done? Anybody need more time? Okay, so now think through those platforms. I want you to think through what are the, probably the top three platforms that you would probably have the most potential influence. Okay, so for example, my wife, she's a pastry chef at a bakery. Um, and that's her primary place of work. That's her primary platform. And she's also involved in a couple of things with some ladies. And so her top three are her workplace. Uh, honestly, even if you guys are stay-at-home moms, your pro- one of your primary platforms is probably your kids. Your place of influence as your kids are growing up is showing them the ways of Jesus. And I would encourage you, that's probably your, prop- your top platform. Um, if you're not a stay-at-home mom and you're in the workplace and you're raising kids, then those might be one and two. Um, so just think that way, too. It's not just out in the world, but if you're raising kids and you're raising people that are not yet believers, that is a major, major platform that you already have, that God already has put in place for you. You don't have to do any work to go there. It's already there. So now work on your top three platforms. What would it be? It might be your workplace. It might be a community council that you sit on. It might be your kids. If you're, if you're raising kids that are still young and not believers yet, what are the top three um, I'll give you guys just a second to work on that. Any questions along the way about platforms in general? 
Have you guys ever heard this platform stuff before? Okay, cool. I'm like, hopefully I'm not just saying stuff that you guys are like, man, I've, you've heard it before. <laughs> That's right. He was, he was at a conference with me a year ago, something like that. March. Yeah. Wow, was it really? Wow, only March. Wow. Time flies. <laughs> All right, and so one other thing, as you're thinking about the platform, maybe you've got your top three now, think about those top three. And inside of those three platforms that you are already in, you don't have to do any work, you're already there, what are the commonalities in those platforms that connect people? What's the commonality? So if you're on a sports team, the commonality is your love for the game or love for the sport or whatever it is. If you're in a community council setting, your love for the city or a better neighborhood or whatever it might be. If you're raising kids in the home, the commonality is you want them to be followers of Jesus, and there's a, there's a commonality there. What are some of the commonalities? What are some of the spiritual interests that might be a common thread in that platform? Does that make sense? So inside of that group, what, what are some of the spiritual dynamics that might be there? There's some commonalities there. Think, just think through that, um, and that'll hopefully help us develop our strategy in the next step. Um, and so now that you've kind of had some time, does anybody need more time on the top three? You guys good? All right, now I want you guys to boil down the top three to your primary focal platform and write that down. What would be the most opportunistic platform that you have right now today to influence people towards Jesus? So it could be your family, it could be your job, whatever it might be. And then after you've written that down, then this is going to be the platform then that we work on on the next page. So write that down and then flip that page over. And then... This is where we're going to get into the strategy. Okay, now that you've identified your platform, now that you are being aware of, okay, God's placed me in this workplace, for example. I'm here 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 hours a week, whatever it is. I have that many hours that God has given me opportunity that's natural for me to be here, and I have the ability to have influence here. Okay, and inside of that setting now, uh, we are going to start working on goals on how to get to um, sharing the gospel, for example. And so uh, you'll see, let me flip this over so I can show you. Uh, inside of that platform, you hopefully should have a goal. What's the goal that you have in that platform? What's the ultimate goal that you'd like to see? And I'll encourage you to start small and kind of use baby steps and work your way up as you get used to this a little bit. But So in this, for example, let's say my, I'll use my wife. Okay? She works at a, pastry, a, pastry, a bakery as a pastry chef. So that is her primary platform, is Neaters is what it's called. So Neaters is her, is her primary platform, okay? So that's what she's going to think through this with. But in that, in that platform, my wife wants to share the gospel with her coworkers. My wife is the only Christian in the entire bakery because we live in Utah. So she's the only Christian that works in that entire store. And so she has an incredible opportunity there. So her goal, her primary goal is to share the gospel with one coworker, so just take one coworker at a time, or if you are over a department, maybe, or if you're, you have kids in the home, whatever it might be. What would what would be a primary goal for you? Okay, and this could be to have a spiritual conversation. This could be to share an evangel like an evangelistic type of tract. This could be to give someone a Bible. This could be an invite to your church service. This could be to a one-on-one -on -one coffee meeting where you talk about the Bible and read through a book of the Bible together. This could be any number of things, but you write down a goal that you want to see accomplished with God working with you in the next three, six months, two years. We don't know. Uh, each, each platform may take different amounts of time. If you're raising kids, it's going to take years. You're teaching them, you're showing them, you're modeling for them. 
If you're in a workplace where you have a lot of influence, maybe it'll take a few months. And that's just, we leave the timeline up to God. So identify a primary goal in your platform, okay? The place of influence. What, what, what's the goal? What are you shooting for? Do you want to have a spiritual conversation? Do you want to outright share the gospel? Do you want to invite that person to church? Do you want to invite that person to coffee and talk about the Bible? Do you want to invite them to read the Bible with you? Whatever it may be, set a goal. Write it down. Statistics show that when you write down a goal, you have a much higher percentage of actually accomplishing and fulfilling that goal than if you just say it in your head. So I encourage you, use the paper, write it down. Okay, now the next part is, as you guys, everybody got that? Everybody got a primary goal? Okay, cool. So as you write down your primary goal, now you've identified, okay, I want to share my wife. My wife, for example, she wanted to share the gospel with one specific coworker named Jessica, okay? And so now, like any good goal, you have to have a plan to get there, okay? We, we just can't say, well, I'm going to lose 50 pounds and then just sit around the house and hope it just melts away, right? We've got to have a plan. We've got to have steps. We've got to put things in place to actually get us to where we want to go. And so that's what these milestones are now for. And so now, now I want you to identify three milestones to get from where you are right now today, currently, to your goal. Okay, so for my wife, it was to share the gospel with Jessica. That was her primary goal. And she had been working with Jessica for six, eight months, and, and I don't think Jessica at that point knew my wife was a Christian yet. So one of my wife's milestones was the very first milestone that my wife put was to know that Jessica would know that Nicole, is my wife, was a Christian. So the first step is know that I'm a Christian, <laughs> okay? The next step was have a spiritual conversation, and I think the next step was have a deeper spiritual conversation, and then the next, and then she gets to her goal to actually share the gospel. Does that make sense? So in your platform, I want you to identify your goal, and then three milestones or three steps that you can take, obviously, the overarching umbrella is God is in the midst of working all of this, right? We're not, we're not saving people. God does that, right? But what can you do? What steps can you take to get to that primary goal, whatever it may be? If you want to invite somebody to a church service next Sunday, what are you going to do this week to get you there? If you want to meet one-on-one -on -one and disciple a guy that you've been walking with for a while, what are you going to do this week to make that happen or next month? I'll give you a couple seconds to write down three milestones and then just here in a second, we'll, we'll go through the strategy steps underneath that in just a second. So write down those three milestones of how you're going to get to your primary goal. Any questions as we go? So my wife wants to share the gospel with Jessica, so she first has to know. Actually, I think I was wrong. My first milestone my wife had was to start praying for Jessica. I think that was her first milestone. Start praying for Jessica. Know that Nicole is a Christian. Have a spiritual conversation. Share the gospel. So something like that. Okay. Looks like everyone's about there. Do you guys need more time? One more minute? Okay. And just while we're waiting, uh, all of you guys should have some of these little pieces of paper on your table. Feel free to take these out, too, and this might help you think through some of this stuff. Um, just why platforms some of the advantages for that, and it answers the question, why are you here? What do you do here? Who are you? Uh, what do you have for me? What kind of a person is a follower of Christ? And so all of these things are kind of uh, another strategic advantage of why thinking in this framework helps us view our work, our neighborhoods, our communities, and our hobbies, and our, the things that we do just to play. It helps us put them in a framework that's actually partnering with God in the mission of God and being a part of his work rather than thinking we have just different compartments in our life, right? And we work, 
and we come home, and that has nothing to do with God. Or we play and we go to the gym, but that has nothing to do with God. As a Christian, every single thing that you do is a part of the kingdom because that's just how it works. You are an ambassador for Christ. You can't take that off. You wear his jersey now. You can't take it off. And so everywhere you go, whether you like it or not, whether you are aware of it or not, you're wearing a jersey that represents Christ. It represents God and his kingdom. And so be mindful of that when you go to the gym. Be mindful of that when you're out in your community. Be mindful of that when you go out to eat. Be mindful. You represent Christ. You represent him and his kingdom. And there's people out there that if they were to die tomorrow, they will go to hell for an eternity. And this is, this is what we're talking about. This is really what matters. Eternity is at stake. And God's put his spirit inside of all of us. And then he said, I'm going to put my spirit inside of every single believer so that every, every person has the opportunity to hear because I'm going to send my people with my power and I'm going to send them with my word and my authority to go make disciples of all nations and to preach the gospel, right? So this stuff really does matter. Uh, this stuff's not complicated. I hope, hopefully this is not complicated, um, but it does take intentionality. And so hopefully this helps you to see your workplace, your communities, your hobbies as opportunities to be on mission with God. Okay, has everybody got the strategic, mi- or the milestones down? Okay, so now that you've got your primary goal, you've got three milestones that want to get you there, now what you want to do is you want to think through some strategic steps for each milestone. So, if my, for example, so if my wife, if her first milestone is, I want to start praying for Jessica, then one of the strategic steps my wife has to do is set an intentional time each day to pray. So that's the first step. You can't, once again, even, even these milestones need intentionality, otherwise they won't happen, right? And so now I want you to write down one or two or three strategic steps that you can take. So if you want to invite somebody, uh, if the first thing is to, you know, uh, let's see here, if you want to, where am I at? If you want to invite someone to church, well, then you gotta, they got to know you're a Christian. Well, how do they know you're a Christian? Well, maybe you wear a Christian t-shirt. Maybe you, a lot of people ask this question, hey, how was your weekend or how was your fourth? Well, it's an easy strategic step to say, hey, my weekend was great. I went to church with my family. It was great. Or I spent a few hours reading the Bible. Or I don't know, I went through this study with my small group. Or uh, all those little types of things could be little strategic steps that help you accomplish a milestone. So if your milestone is people, I want people to know that I'm a Christian, which is my wife's case in her store. So she has to make comments like, yeah, my husband is a pastor. We go to church. We had a great weekend with our church family, our faith family, those kinds of things. Uh, our strategic steps to accomplishing those milestones. So whatever that might be, take a minute, and I want you to write one or two strategic steps that will help you accomplish each milestone in that process. Okay, how are we doing? Still need a few more minutes, a few more seconds. Okay, a couple more seconds here. And obviously you can take this home and you can, you can dig deeper into this. You can think more on it. You can, uh, I, would, I would encourage you, honestly, um, if you really feel compelled to, I would honestly do this process, this page, uh, with at least two or three of your, plat- like your top three platforms. And just do it just to think through it. Um, because we all work somewhere. We all got to pay the bills usually. And we all have family. We all live in a neighborhood. And we all usually have things we like to do for fun. Um, and so there's definitely more than just one place where you could think this out strategically so i'd encourage you to go home uh, make a copy of this or if you want actually if you want i should have thought about this earlier but if you want these files for these documents 
and you just, if you want to do more, print them out, or if you want them for your church or your small group or whatever, just send me an email. I'll put my email up over here on our break, and just send me an email. I'll send you all this stuff, and you guys can just have it. Um, so just let me know if you guys would like that. Um, okay, so we've identified your platform. We've identified the primary goal, whatever that might be, and now you've set intentional milestones of how you think you can get from where you are today to actually accomplishing that goal. Now you've set strategic steps for each milestone on how to get there. Um, and remember, remember this all, I don't know if this all seems too businessy or whatever, this might feel a little bit weird, um, but remember why we're doing this. Can't stress that enough. Remember why we're doing this. We're not doing this just to have a cool chart on our wall to be like, man, I got milestones and I got platforms and all this cool stuff. None of it matters unless you live this out. So this is just a tool to help you go out there and be intentional and be aware that lost people are dying and going to hell without a saving relationship with Christ, and you've been placed in their life on purpose specifically for this time such as this. And so this matters. And so don't get hung up on all, the, all of the mechanics of all of this stuff. Just know this is a tool to help you get there. So any questions right now on any of this process? Anything that you want to share that maybe is encouraging or insightful or things that you've never seen before? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Cool. Thanks, Ben. Any other comments, insights? That's pretty much it. That's the, that's the first piece of the platform conversation. So if you guys have any comments or insights or things that are helpful, feel free to share. We'll, we're going to keep doing a bunch of some more things here in a second, but just want to give you guys a chance if you want to respond at all to that. Um, this was really helpful for a lot of people in our church. We saw uh, a dramatic increase in people, not, not church attendance necessarily, but we saw a dramatic increase in our people engaging with lost people just because of this simple thing. And I think a lot of us in the room will probably be, this is, once again, it's not new that we should be sharing the gospel. We should be living a lifestyle that demonstrates the good news of Christ. The hard part, I think, for a lot of us, including myself, is we just kind of get in the rut of life. We just get in the rhythms of we go to work, we do our thing, we come home, we do our thing there. We have our hobbies, we have our, we have our, we have our life. And we think that it's ours to control and to, and to manage. And it, it's really not. Christ, Christ said, look, everything that you have now is, is mine. It, it, you follow me, it, it's, it's, it's what we do. Um, and so everything that we have, we, we give to Christ, and now he is living through us. And so uh, I think it was Dallas Willard that once said that the goal of being a follower of Jesus is to live our life as if Jesus were in my shoes. So if Jesus were living Brett's life in Brett's neighborhood, in Brett's job, and in Brett's family, and in Brett's city, how would Jesus live that life out? Um, and so that's the goal of this tool is to help you think through and be intentional um, because all of us, I believe, probably have a heart uh, for the lost. Otherwise, you probably wouldn't be in this room. Um, but we all kind of need a little bit of a, a jolt or a, a help in being intentional to think about how do I actually engage lost people, right? Um, one, other, one of my favorite parables from Jesus is in Mark 4. And Jesus says, the kingdom of God is like a farmer who goes into an empty field and he sows the seed. 
And he sows it night and day. He goes to sleep, and he knows not how it grows. And he comes, and it grows first the ear, then the bud, then the stalk, or however that works. I don't know all the farming lingo, but I'm paraphrasing. But it grows. He knows not how it grows. But he says, well, once it's grown, the farmer bundles it together, and he takes the sickle to it because the harvest is coming. Then he's got seed left over for planting, eating, and selling. And the whole process repeats all over again. But the point is, he says, the kingdom of God is like that. The kingdom of God is like a person who goes into an empty field, which is lostness, places without hope, without the gospel. So there's pockets in, in the places that you live, work, and play. There are pockets of places that don't know Jesus, right? Right? You would all agree? So our job is to be like that farmer who goes into an empty field, sees that there's no Jesus, sees there's no gospel, and we begin sowing the seed, whether that be through these conversations, through the T-shirts we wear, whatever, whatever it may be. I would encourage you through conversations and face-to-face and be a, be a person, be, be Jesus with skin on to people. Um, but don't, don't count anything else out either. Invite them to church. Invite them to a Bible study. Invite them into your home. Invite them into your life. Model what it looks like to be like Jesus. But we go into a, a, the field and we scatter the seed. And then we do not know how it grows, right? Paul says, he's talking about Apollos and Paul. And he says, we, we plant, but we water. God gives the growth. So right, we do not know how it grows, but we know that God's doing his job. And we don't have to worry about God and holding up his end of the deal. He's got it, right? The only person that may not be holding up the, our end of the deal is like Ben said. It's probably us. So we go and we scatter the seed. We don't know how it grows, but by the grace of God, he, he bundles that together. He makes life happen. He makes salvation happen. And then you gather those people into churches, and that's what the church is. It's people, redeemed people. This is the church. Um, and so just be mindful that this uh, hopefully will encourage you to go and look at your workplaces, the place you live, and see the empty fields in there. Um, for me, that's pretty easy in Utah because I can run into 10 out of 10 people pretty much, and everyone's lost. For here, that might be a little bit more difficult to find the pockets. But the goal is to find the pockets. I'm sure every one of you can think right now of at least one person that you work with that doesn't know Jesus, right? So there you go. You all you have no excuses, right? You have one person right now in your mind that doesn't know Christ. Start there. Um, we're going to take a quick break um, just because uh, Bob told me to. No. <laughs> no, and just that way if you guys want to take a break, it's kind of warm in here if you want to grab a drink. Um, bathrooms are down the hall to the left. Um, and then we're going to come back and we're going to work on a little bit of some actual tools to, okay, well, how do I actually share the gospel? How do I tell my story? How do I put into words what Christ has done for me in a way that's not weird? Um, I'm gonna, there's many, many tools out there, many, and I'm going to give you two or three uh, to put in your toolbox of being a Christian that's on mission with Christ. And so take a break, like five minutes, ten, probably five. Go take five minutes, go get a drink, go to the bathroom, or hang out. If you want to check out the resource table thing or whatever over here, there's stuff over here on Mormonism if you guys are interested about that. Um, yeah, we'll just come back at 7.20 and we'll... Keep going. Okay. You guys all feeling good? It definitely feels cooler in here. So thanks, Bob, whatever you did to make it cooler in here. Uh, okay, I hope that was helpful. Um, like I said, uh, this, is, this is just one of many tools that hopefully will help you now. We're going to kind of transition to uh, um, some of the more practical tools as well. as Well, how do I share the gospel? Or how do I have a conversation, a spiritual conversation um, ab- about Christ that hopefully kind of gets me into these kind of conversations more often. Um, but before I do that, just re- I just want to point this out too. In that packet that you guys got, I just wrote up a little thing called Evangelism 101. Um, and if you're looking for a lot of scriptures, if you're wanting to study some of this stuff, uh, there's also some recommended 
uh, resources, some reading. There's a lot of free resources on here, too, just to be aware of in this conversation. So just notice that's in there, too, for you. Once again, take it, use it. Um, and now uh, for this section, we're going to be using the back sheet of your packet. Um, so turn to the back. We've already done kind of the first part, which is the why. Uh, why, you know, our identity as a new, a new creation in Christ. Um, and so on the, on the right-hand side of that sheet, um, just want to point out, and once again, this is kind of a practical thing. You can just kind of, if you want to write on this, feel free to write on it and take it home. If you don't, uh, if you want to make copies of it and do it later, that's fine. But now we're going to kind of move to the section that's called who. Um, and so now we've kind of been thinking about the who a little bit with the platform. But this is another simple little tool that really helps me visualize. I have a, I should have brought it, but I have a prayer journal and I, and I write down the names of every single lost person that I ever come in contact with. I write down the date, where I met them, maybe a little snippet of, 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 of what, we, what was talked about, if we had any kind of conversation. And I've just got hundreds and hundreds of names of people. And I don't pray for them every single day, but I pray for them on a rotation throughout the weeks. I pray for everybody. Um, and in that, I also have uh, lists of, of networks of people. So I have, you know, I have Melanie, and I have Melanie's mom and her brother, and all that. I just kind of have... And so that's why this little circle thing is this kind of relational mapping. I think it says the word uh, make an oikos map. Uh, I don't like that word, even though it's a Greek word um, for community. Um, it's just we think Greek yogurt typically when we hear it oikos, right? <laughs> so we say, I'm going to make an oikos map. Everyone's like, wait, you're going to do what with yogurt? Um, and so let's just not, we don't need to be fancy. Let's just be simple. Uh, oikos just means your relational network, okay? So this is a relational networking map. And so you can just put yourself, you see it says me right there. And then I just want to encourage you to write the names of two, three, four, five, six. Just write the name of six lost people, six people that you know right now that are far from God. Write their names in those circles. And these are going to be people that hopefully you're going to be praying for uh, throughout the week. So go ahead and just take a few seconds, write down uh, the names of six people that are in your sphere of influence. Maybe they're in your platform, uh, one or two or three of your platforms, but six people that you want to see, that you have a heart to see them come to Christ. And we don't have space on this sheet, but then imagine, well, I guess I got a whiteboard. What I, I asked Bob for a whiteboard, and I haven't even used it yet. Um, so, you know, for me, I'll put B for Brett. Um, you know, I got a guy... Uh, who's an LDS and a Mormon guy that I've been ministering to, uh, his name would go in my circle. But here's the thing uh, to think about. Here's another guy. Uh, uh, maybe use this black one here. Hold on. So the cool thing that I want you to think about and recognize this is God has placed me in where he's placed me, and he's placed a lot of people in my life, but I'm just going to use these two for an example. He's placed these two guys in my life right now. Now imagine what would happen if these two guys both came to Christ, okay? Well, what would they do? Well, biblically, they would follow the pattern and, and uh, this guy's wife, he would go share the gospel, hopefully, with her. And then, obviously, he's got friends, right? He's got, he's got mom and dad, right? He's got brothers. He's got sisters, since he's in the LDS family. He's got a lot of family. He's got cousins, right? This guy, he's got a wife. Um, you guys get the point, I think. She's got family. She's got cousins. All this kind of stuff. And then these people have cousins. And these people have cousins and wives and brothers and sisters. And you see visually, the more that we visualize what could happen if I was faithful with one relationship, what could happen? I think that's cool. Now, once again, 
God is the one that does all this work, okay? He does all of it. He changes hearts. But if I'm faithful to do my part, to plant, to plant, plant seeds, to water seeds, to till up the soil, to remove rocks from the soil, to do the hard work that God asks us to do, to be faithful, and if God were to save this guy, then we hopefully believe that God could also save all these people in his network. So my relational network then spreads down and, and the gospel begins to spread. This is what we see all over the world. This is how the gospel spreads like wildfire in places like China because people get saved by the household in p- places like China. So people, moms and dads, share the gospel with all their kids. They get saved. The kids go share that with the cousins. The mom and dad go share with the aunt and uncle. And literally whole households get saved in a matter of weeks, and you've got 40, 50, 60, 100 people getting saved, and churches, that's how churches can start in a matter of weeks in places like that, because these people are so committed to the Great Commission and sharing the gospel with their relational network that God is just doing crazy things, and so I believe God could do this in America. I think there's no reason he couldn't. The only thing stopping him, I think, sometimes is us, getting in our way, tripping over our feet, being too scared, being too unwilling, being too disobedient. I think uh, if we would just do our best to play our part which is just being faithful with where God's already put you. It's not about going overseas necessarily unless God's called you to go do that. He's put you where he's put you right now today for a very sovereign and specific and intentional reason. Um, So those six people, hopefully that's just a reminder on your sheet as you take that home, uh, that there are people in your life that need to know Christ and you you may be the only person in, in their network that is a follower of Christ. That's the way it is for us in Utah. It may be different for you here. In, in Iowa, um, but I would encourage you to think very strategically about why God's put you where he's put you. Okay, now the next tool, so that's one tool, and you can put that in your prayer journal, you can write that out, and I would encourage you to do that. I, one of the best, one of the greatest joys in my life is when I write down the names of some lost people in my prayer journal, and I get to go back and cross that name off the list because they got saved, and I put the date right there, and I've seen that happen. Uh, it's amazing, I got to baptize some people um, that were on my list. And uh, one of the cool stories in Salt Lake is a guy that I discipled um, and led to Christ and baptized. His name's Ming. He's a young college student. He led an uh, ex-Wiccan to Christ, um, and she was a practicing witch. I mean, it was satanic spells, and she had a shrine in a room, and she was, she was very, very lost in, in a dark place. And he began doing, studying the Bible with her, sharing the gospel with her, walking with her, coming to church services, hours of Bible study for months on end, and he led her to Christ, and now she's a whole new person. <laughs> And so I, got, I was praying for her that whole time. And I, had, I had Ming's network written down in my prayer journal because I'm discipling him, and so I'm praying for all the friends that he's sharing the gospel with. And so I get to go back and cross that name off and say, yay, God, you're doing a mighty work. Look at that. She's no longer on my list. Um, and so that's just another cool point of, of keeping track of these people and watching God do things um, in your life. Um, okay, so here's a, here's a simple tool called uh, the 15-second story. Any of you guys ever heard of this? Cool. All right. Um, besides you, you're cheating. <laughs> All right. So the 15-second story, um, you guys have your sheet. You can kind of see it. I'll, uh, I guess I, I, I won't draw it out for you because you guys got it in front of you. But the goal is, um, the goal in a lot of Christianity, I think, we make it too hard. Uh, we we all have fears about evangelism, right? We don't know what to say. We don't think we know how to say it. We don't think we know enough scripture. We don't have enough memorized. We don't know enough theology. We're not pastors, on and on. We have a lot of things that I think are fear, ultimately. It all boils down to fear and insecurity about who we are. If we're an ambassador for Christ and he's put his spirit inside of us, that's really all you need. Now, it doesn't mean you shouldn't 
study scripture. It doesn't mean you shouldn't study theology. Please do that. Um, that that's only going to help you uh, long down the road. But those are not necessarily things that are completely required in order to share your faith and share your story. Um, somebody smarter than me once said that nobody can argue with a transformed life, right? If your life is like Melanie. She used to be a witch in satanic worshiping, and now she's worshiping Jesus, and she's sharing the gospel, and she's giving Bibles out to everybody she can. You can't argue that that life is different. All of her friends know she is not the same Melanie anymore. Um, and so as transformed, redeemed people, I hope that our life would say the same type of thing. And so this tool... Um, Starts, like any story, starts with an introduction, right? You see that down here. And a very simple language. There was a time in my life when. And you can, that's how the story starts. And then you, I want you to fill this in on your sheet here. I want you to think of two words that describe your life before you were a believer. Okay? So for me, my two words are fake and rebellious. Say, there was a time in my life when I was fake and rebellious. Okay? For yours, it might be, I might, it might be addicted and enslaved, or hopeless and lost, or uh, whatever it may be, okay? Now, if you have grown up your whole life being a believer and you can't even remember a time when you were not following Christ, then I would encourage you to, to think of a time when you were far from God, or maybe you were really wayward and you were really just out there. Think of, think of a time like that and pick two words there um, and put that on your sheet. So take a second, write down two words that describe your life before Christ or a time when you were really walking away from God. Okay, you guys all got your words? Two words that describe your life before you encountered Christ. And then this middle section just says, you know, receive forgiveness and surrender control. That's just an example of what you could say here. Now, this is all going to be a verbal tool, okay? So you're going to, the 15-second story is meant to be verbally communicated to somebody in a natural way. And so uh, you can obviously replace that middle section of how you met Jesus or how your life changed, however that happened for you. So for me, I was, there was a time in my life when I was fake and rebellious, but then I started reading the Bible for myself and submitting my life to Christ, and he changed my life. Something like that, okay? You can make that your own. Please use your own words. Please use your own story. That's, that's the power. <laughs> well, the power is not necessarily in your story, but that's the authenticity is key. So use your story, how you met Jesus, how he changed your life. Maybe you went to Bible college, or maybe you started reading the Bible. Maybe you went to church camp. Maybe you went to an evangelistic service. Whatever, whatever that turning point moment was, that's where you kind of put that piece. How does Jesus fit into your story? So make sure that Jesus is in there, right? I went to an evangelistic service, and I heard about Jesus. Or I went to a church camp, and they taught me about Jesus. Whatever it is, make sure Jesus is in there. Don't miss that part. Okay, and then the next part, I want you to write down two words that now describe your life as a redeemed person, right? So now mine is genuine but imperfect. You know, there's a time in my life when I was fake and rebellious, but I met Christ, and now I'm genuine, or I try to be, and imperfect, or whatever it might be. Now I have hope and a purpose. Maybe now I have, I have peace and freedom, whatever it might be that describes you. Two words. Okay, so now you've got the two words. At this point, if you were to have this conversation with a person and go, hey, there was a time in my life when I was fake and rebellious, but then I met Jesus and he changed my life and now I'm genuine and imperfect. If you were to stop right there, does that feel weird? Yes, no? Yes, thank you. feels weird. Uh, because if you're talking to a person on the street and said, hey, Todd, here's the time of my life, blah, 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 
And now I'm genuinely imperfect. Todd can just go, cool. Awesome, great story, bro. See you later. So one of the most important pieces of this tool is the very last part where you ask them a question. You go through that whole thing and say, blah, blah, blah. My life was now, now I'm imperfect, but I'm genuine. Do you have a story like that? That's the piece that, that really gets the conversation going. Otherwise, it's just you talking or you preaching from some people's perspective, right? So if you don't ask a follow-up question after you just say that, they're left to go, well, that's cool. Don't care, you know? So if you say, hey, my, here's my life before Christ. Here's what happened. Now here I am. Hey, Bob, do you have a story like that? And then Bob would say. <laughs> so, and then Bob, and we're going to practice this now. Now, all of you guys, I'm going to give you some time to practice it, and this may make you guys possibly uncomfortable, but that's what I'm here to do. So, you are now going to practice sharing your 15-second story with the person at your table. So, find a partner, identify the person that you're going to share this with, and I'm sorry if you're going to be uncomfortable, but it's going to be weird in here because we all probably know each other or whatever, but it matters to practice and get some repetitions in doing this so that when you go out there, you actually have the chance to do that in a way that's not weird, okay? And I'm actually going to time you guys on it because it's really hard to keep it between 15 or 20 seconds, okay? So you guys have your partner. I'm going to say go. And you guys are going to have 20 seconds for one person to share their story, and then we'll switch, and then the other person will have 20 seconds. You ready? Set. Go. Stop. Stop. All right, that was 20 seconds. How many of you guys got through it in 20 seconds? <laughs> With bonus time. Okay, how many of you discovered that that was difficult to do in 20 seconds? Don't lie. Come on. Right? Okay, so the goal, once again, in this setting, the timing is arbitrary. Okay? So in this setting, the timing is kind of arbitrary because it doesn't matter out there how fast you can do it. The goal of this training is to get used to sharing your story in less than like a minute, okay? Because when we're out there sharing with people or we're having talk conversations, we don't want to just be preaching and preaching for five, six, seven, eight minutes and then say, hey, do you have a story like that? And they're long gone, not paying attention, okay? So don't get too hung up on the timing, but we're going to try it again now, okay? So now switch. Now the other person who hasn't done it, now you get 20 seconds. You ready? Set, Go. All right, stop. How many of you guys got through it? Both of them in 20 seconds. Nice work. That's why you guys are at the front table, huh? Nice. Awesome. All right. So once again, don't get hung up on, oh, man, I didn't do it in 20 seconds. It's okay. The goal is to get used to sharing this naturally. So I've, I've done things like this where I, just, I, I adapt this little tool to whatever context or whatever conversation that I can. So, for example, I went to a gas station one time, and I was intentionally going there with the purpose of trying to share the gospel with somebody because I hadn't shared the gospel that day, and I'm trying to work myself up to be a guy that shares the gospel at least once every day with somebody, and I'm not there most days, but I'm trying. So I go to the gas station, and I was praying that there would be nobody in the gas station, and by the grace of God, there wasn't, except for the cashier. <laughs> so I get in there, I buy a bottle of water, I walk up to the counter, 
And I'm just saying, okay, God, please, I'm just in my head, just please give me an opportunity to, to do this. And she rings up my bottle of water, and I say, hey, how's your night going? And she says, oh, it sucks. Hopefully that's not offensive, sorry. Um, and, she's, and I said, oh, I'm sorry, that's, that's too bad. Why does, why does today stink? There's kids in the room, I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, <laughs> um, so why does your life stink? And she said, oh, well, this, this, and you just kind of had a long day and, and work and kind of the nine-to-five thing and whatever. And, and then she said something about her family, just had somebody pass away, and then she didn't get her paycheck. I mean, it was just kind of a really l- rough situation. And I said, man, I'm really sorry. I said, there was a time in my life where my life stunk. And I said, but I, I honestly was fake. I was rebellious. I was trying to do my own thing. It just wasn't working, and I was miserable. But then I met Jesus. He changed my life, and now it's not perfect but now it's actually pretty good. It's pretty awesome. I have purpose in that. I said, do you have, and I didn't ask, do you have a story like that because she had just told me her story. So I said, do you resonate with that at all or would you like to hear more about that or something to that effect? And she then said, you know what? Actually, actually I think I asked her if she was a person of faith. That's another question that I use a lot is, are you a person of faith? Um, she said, yeah. And then she shared how she used to be a Mormon and how that didn't work out, how she now hates the church and she hates God and all these kinds of things and and all these things. And once again, we're at the cash register and no one else has come in. So I'm like, thank you, God. (laughs) Um, Because I don't want to be the guy that's trying to share and there's like five people like, hurry up, dude, you know. Um, And so we talked for a little bit and I got to share the gospel and they say, look, like, I'm sorry about the experience that you had, but I know that Jesus would never do that. Jesus is not the issue here. It's man, and it's institutions, and it's religion. It's not Christ, and shared the gospel with her, um, and got to lead her to Christ, actually, while I was standing there buying a bottle of water. Um, all because, and that's not about looking at me. That's all look at God. I don't, I can't open a person's heart to want to hear the message of the truth. God does that work, and so I was simply faithful to show up and try, and so many times I think in Christianity, let's just show up and try, and I really believe that if we show up and try, God is already working in the midst of all of this because that's his plan. He wants to see the world redeemed. That's in the scriptures. And so his plan's already rolling. We just can't see it. But he says, I want you guys to join me. Go out. Do your thing. Be faithful. Try. Do some of these things. And as we do, you'll be surprised how much stuff just happens as we're going along the way. Um, and so that's just one story of how you can adapt this tool. If someone says, man, my life is just a mess. My marriage is a nightmare. Well, if you can honestly relate to that and say, look, there was a time when my marriage was a wreck, and here's what got me through that. I mean, so, so be, be adaptable with this tool in any conversation. So the goal is to take everyday conversations, like, hey, how was your weekend? Oh, it was lame. Okay, well, my weekend wasn't lame. You know, just, the, goal is to take, <laughs> the goal is to take everyday conversations and turn them into gospel conversations. So in order to do that, you have to be listening and be aware for some of those red flags that come up, like, oh, my day was really terrible, or, man, my marriage is a mess, or, man, my kids are driving me nuts, <laughs> or whatever it might be, or, man, you know what, my, my, I had a family member just pass away, and I just, I, I don't even know what to do, right? You hear these things, and it's amazing to me when I ask people how they're doing, how much honesty I get in response from a lot of people at a gas station or even at a restaurant, especially waiters and waitresses. These are the best people. If you want to try this out when you leave here this week, go and sit in a restaurant and, and ask your waiter, waiter or waitress, how's it going? And hear what they say. And offer to pray for them. Every time, usually every time before our food, when our food comes, I say, hey, we're about to pray for our food. Is there anything going on in your life that we can pray about? And they say whatever they're going to say. And a lot of people open up and say things like, I, my grandpa just died. 
or I just got divorced, or what. I mean, they just open up. And it's because God's at work. It's not because Brett's awesome. God is at work. We're simply being faithful to show up and try. Um, and so that's another very simple tool, too. We all go to restaurants, and most of us would probably say we pray for our food. So that's a natural thing for most people, especially in the Midwest probably, to say, hey, we're about to pray for our food. How can we pray for you today? And you'd be amazed what people say. And then be ready to share. Be ready to say, you know what, there's a time in my life when it was this and this. But, man, can I tell you more? Or can you want to come to a church service with us? Or whatever it may be. Okay? So hopefully those tools. So that's the 15-second story. Uh, that's that tool. The next tool, any questions on that? Let's just stop for a second. You guys have any questions on the 15-second story? Just remember the time is not, were you going to say something? Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great question. The follow-up is 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 huge. And so, like with the lady at the gas station, I went back there every every night for the week and never saw her again. Um, so I have no idea what happened to her, uh, which was really a bummer. But once again, I. I can't control the fact that she's not there anymore, and I tried. Um, and so if you are in a place like your workplace and this kind of thing happens, or a waitress or something, obviously um, I always have cards for the church that, I, that I, we're at, and I always say, look, if you want to know more, I'd love, here's my contact information. I always give people my contact, my business card, and a church card if they're interested in that. My preference is to meet with people one-on-one, -on -one, or if it's a woman, meet with my wife or some other lady, so that we can talk more about what just happened, especially if they said, yeah, I want to follow Jesus. Or if they just want to learn more and talk more about faith and spiritual things, I would rather get them around a table and some coffee first. That's just my preference. Before I say, let's just come to a church service. Now, I think both are great. Do both. Do whatever you feel the Spirit leading you to do um, in that moment, especially if they say, hey, I want to follow Christ. Okay, great. Why don't you come to church on Sunday? Well, let's go to lunch afterwards. We want to talk and make sure you understand what you've just committed to and some people at the church can help with that, and I would encourage you, if you're leading people to Christ, to you be the main person that disciples that person, because that's what we see in the New Testament model. You lead people to Christ, you disciple them. Um, and so follow-up is huge. Um, if, if people are just having spiritual conversations and they don't say, I want to follow Christ, I'd still encourage you to follow up with them. Hey, look, thank you for just chatting with me and being open with me. Here's my contact information. If you ever want to talk about this stuff more or other things, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. And I think, once again, always just trying to build a relationship with people in the midst of that so they don't feel like just a project on the streets that are just like, hey, great, have a great night. You just got saved, but I'm out. You don't want people to feel like that because that's not our goal. People are people. They're not projects. So that's a great question. Does that, does that, does that help? Yeah, great question. So when you get to the next stage where you're one Yeah. Yeah, that's a whole great hour-long conversation. But, but some of the one of the simplest, so one of the things that we do in Salt Lake that's really simple, um, because we we have a lot of people that have never seen a Bible, they've never been to a church, so we have a different context. Most of the Midwest is post-Christian. They've all seen it, had a bad experience, got a grandma that did, don't like it. That's different. So this may or may not be good for here. But so we give people when they come to faith a Bible studies essential bookmark that I made that came from Dr. Howard Hendricks' book, Living by the Book, and I took what that was in that book and I boiled it down put it on a bookmark. Um, and it's literally hermeneutics, which is a fancy word for studying the Bible. 
um, I put that in three questions, observation, interpretation, application. Um, I say, here's how you study the Bible. Because they'll, they'll hear, yeah, read the Bible. Okay, well, a lost person or an atheist from a Mormon family or even just an atheist in general is not going to know how to do that. So here's a tool on how to study the Bible. And yes, sit down with them and do this with them one-on-one or in a small group or something. Um, and then if, if you're wor- dealing with somebody who has a good background of faith and they're not they're familiar with their Bible and that kind of thing, then this discipleship essentials bookmark is simply asking four questions. Hey, how are you doing? Which is like, hey, what's going well? What's not going well? How can we pray for you? Uh, what is God showing you in the Bible? Which is big, right? What's, what it, me, meaning, you're actually reading the Bible, right? So it assumes you're in the Word. Uh, what is God showing you in the Bible? What are you hearing from God? Um, and then three, what are you going to do about what God is showing you? Um, and then number four is very important as well. Is like, uh, how are your disciples doing in their ministry? So that also assumes that they're actually making disciples. So those are some things. If you haven't grabbed these, you can have them. Do you have these yet? No. There you go. There's more that for everybody can have some of those too. So those are just, that's a, those are two very simple things. There's a lot we could talk about afterwards if you want to about discipleship stuff. That's my whole world in Salt Lake. So I'd love to talk to you more if you want. Um, and usually we just read through a book of the Bible. That's the best place to start. We start people in the book of John. You can start in Mark. I would say start in the gospel somewhere and then go through the epistles, Acts. So, yeah, 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 great questions. Any other questions about 15-second story type of stuff? Sweet. Okay, now I get to have fun with the whiteboard. Have you guys all heard of, any of you heard of the three circles, gospel, sharing, presentation, besides Bob? <laughs> Sorry, I keep picking on you, Bob. All right, so, so oh, I got to draw this too. Um, okay, let's see here. So the earlier, I talked about the, uh, the parable of the guy who goes into the field, right? And he sows the seed. It grows. He knows not how. Um, this is a, a, a framework of thinking that helps us think through this. So he goes into the field. He scatters the seed. Oops, that's wrong. This is the empty field. Sorry. Empty field. He goes into the empty field. Next thing he does after he's in the field is he sows the seed. It grows a little bit, sprouts up, and then as it grows, as the farmer bundles it together and takes the sickle to it, and then he repeats the process, and you've got, you've got, and so what we see, the 15-second story is a tool. You guys can all see that. The 15-second story is a tool in the quadrant of our thinking of engaging lost people or engaging lostness in general. Does that make sense? So with the 15-second story, the goal is you're taking a spiritual pulse for that person. So the lady, the cashier lady, when I, when, she, when I said, how's your day going? And she just went on and on and on, talked about her faith background. I was taking a pulse with that question of how are you doing? And I perceived that she was open to a spiritual conversation. Some people say, you know, you have try to get into a spiritual conversation and they shut it down right away, Right. Well, then that person's probably not going to be the best person to try to have a further conversation about spiritual things with. And so our goal is to engage lostness, um, and some of these tools help us to do that better. Now, once we, let's say we engage a person, and we say, here's our 15-second story, and we say, do you have a story like that, Todd? 
And Todd says, you know what, I do. I, I grew up in this type of a home, but I walked away from Christ, and I don't believe in him anymore, but I, I think there's something higher out there. I, I don't know. Okay, well, that's, that's a person that's definitely in the realm of you should probably keep talking with that person, right? And so then you move to a quadrant of thinking in your mind of, well, now I need to share the gospel. Now I need to, I need to continue this conversation um, with, with this person. And so now this is where three circles comes into play or any kind of gospel sharing tool, right? Many of you are probably familiar with Romans Road, right? Remember that old school thing? Um, it's a good one. Uh, it's, it's old school, but it's good. It's the word of God. It's Romans. You can't, you can't mess with Romans. <laughs> but so 15-second story is one tool here is we engage lostness. And once we engage lostness and we get a positive response or at least an openness to our message or the message of Christ, then we want to have a tool at the ready to share the gospel and communicate the truth. So we take a pulse is this person alive or dead? Okay, this person's alive and they're breathing. They want to know more. Okay, now they're alive and breathing. Now I'm going to share with them the hope that I have in Christ. Okay, if the person is dead, metaphorically speaking, and not interested, then you don't move on to, sec- to next, the next section. Okay, so three circles is written there for you. I'm going to draw it, though. Does everybody uh, understand this? And obviously the next, we're not going to talk about the bottom stuff necessarily, but in, in the whole scope of being a Christian, we engage lost people, we share the gospel, and then if God were to save people, then they cross over here from these seedlings, then God crosses them over into being a disciple of Christ, right? And disciples of Christ then, multiple disciples of Jesus, become the church, right? We are the priesthood of believers, we are the church, okay? And so this is just kind of a framework of thinking about our mission with Christ. Engage lostness, share the gospel, make disciples, be the church, Repeat until Jesus comes back or you die. <laughs> okay? So, uh, once again, if you want any of this stuff, I've got this stuff on PDFs and all sorts of stuff. If you want it, please email me. Uh, I need to write my email up there for you guys, and I will give you anything that I can to help you in any way, shape, or form. Uh, okay, so three circles now. Someone says, man, I am interested about this Jesus thing. Um, you can draw this any number of ways. Here's how I like to draw it. I'm sorry that I'm kind of in front of some of you at a time, but I'll try and uh, move a little bit so you guys can see. I say, look, I'm going to pretend to have a conversation with somebody that's interested. So, hey, uh, Steve, you know, in our world, man, there, there's a lot of brokenness, right? I mean, we see war, we see rape, we see human trafficking, we see all sorts of evil in our day. Would you agree? And most people say, yeah right? Absolutely. Yeah, there's brokenness. And the problem with our brokenness is nobody likes it, and we're always looking as people to get out of our brokenness. How do I get rid of the brokenness? And we, we try to fix it with things like addiction. We try and fix it with working more and, and money and the American dream. We try to fix it with pornography, with uh, lust, with money, whatever it might be. And the problem with this brokenness is we try to get out of it, but what happens is every single thing that we try ultimately snaps us right back into the brokenness to which we came from. And it just is perpetual. Do you feel that, Steve? Yeah. So how do we get out of this brokenness? How do we deal with this? What do we do? And how do we get here? Well, the Bible tells us that in the very beginning, God had a perfect design. And God created the world, and it was good. And he put man in the garden, and he set, the, he set a few boundaries. He pretty much told them, hey, every, you have dominion over the whole thing. Just don't do one thing. And they had one job. <laughs> And they messed it up. <laughs> they had one job. And this, the problem is sin 
or uh, a more maybe relevant term in our culture that maybe is a little bit easier known, Steve, is rebellion. God had a design, but people in their own sin chose to rebel against God's perfect design. And because of their rebellion, that's what leads us to brokenness. And we feel the weight of this every day. We are born into this brokenness because of our sin that is in us. And so we're, as we're trying to find a way out, we, have to, we, we know that God, who loves us and created us, He made a way for us. And so the good news, Steve, is that we don't have to live this way anymore. And we don't have to live this way anymore because of a person. His name is Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ came down to the earth. He lived a perfect life. He never sinned. That's why the Bible calls him the pure spotless lamb. He lived the life that you and I could never live. And then he went to the cross. He died the death that you and I deserve, Steve. And then by the grace and the glory of God, he was put in a tomb. And three days later, he rose again alive, conquering sin and death. And now, Jesus, being the only one that has conquered sin and death, he now sits at the right hand of God with God Almighty. And now Jesus is the Lord and King over all things and all authority and all dominion is His. So, Steve, to get out of that brokenness in this guy who's got all authority in all the world, who's conquered sin and death, he's the only one that can fix our problem with sin and brokenness. But in order to, in order to have this problem be fixed, Steve, you've got to trust in Christ you can't, you need to turn from your rebellious ways and you need to obey Jesus. If you turn from your rebellion and your sin and you obey Jesus, your brokenness will not necessarily go away, but now, now you will have, because of Christ and through Him only, will you have the opportunity now to pursue God's perfect design and to recover from the brokenness to which you and I feel every day. But because of this guy, because of Christ, we have freedom, we have hope, we have a real purpose. And now, Steve, the reason that I'm sharing this with you is because now that I have been redeemed back and I'm trying to pursue God's design for my life now in every area, I've given all of it to Christ. Because of that, and I am now Christ's ambassador, now Christ calls me to go back into a broken world as an ambassador for him to tell other people that there is a way out of our brokenness and his name's Christ. Now at that point, once again, just like our 15 second story, they could say, cool, sounds great man, I'm out. <laughs> or they could ask you a question, but I would encourage you to ask the question that are on, on the paper on the back of your sheet at the bottom. You look at Steve in the eye and say, you know what Steve, obviously none of, none of us are Jesus, so we're only in one of two places here, Steve. We're either pursuing God's design right now or we're in our brokenness. Where do you think you would be right now, Steve? Where do you feel like your life's at? Do you feel like you're in this brokenness or do you feel like you're actually pursuing God's design? And if it's a lost person, I hope and pray that he would say, you know what, I think this is me. I've tried drugs, I've tried alcohol, I've tried women, I've tried my career, I've tried this, I've tried that, I just, I can't. Hopefully they would be, a, hopefully if God's working in them, if the Spirit is working in them, they'll, they'll say that, um, and if they say, I'm in the brokenness, then the next follow-up question is, well, Steve, do you want to follow Jesus right now? Do you want to submit your life to this guy who is Lord and Savior? Do you want to submit and admit that you've sinned against a perfect God? Do you want to believe that Christ's work on the cross is perfect and finished for you? And do you want to follow him the rest of your life? 
You can lead that person to Christ if God's moving in that moment. If, if you ask that question, where are you at right now? And if they say, I'm right here, they'll say, well, do you want to follow Jesus right now? And then obviously right after that is where follow-up is huge. Huge. Uh, we, we say at our church, if you, if you lead someone to Christ, you're now their spiritual parent. And if you make a baby, you take care of that parent. You take care of that kid. Right? So just like if you, if you, have, a, if you have a kid, it's now your responsibility. So if you're a spiritual person and you lead someone to Christ, they are now your spiritual son or daughter. And we see that model with Paul's language all the time throughout the New Testament. He calls Timothy a son. He calls the Thessalonican church. Uh, he, call, he references himself as a, as a father and as a mother, lovingly, tenderly caring for them. We see that language. And so we use that language with our church and say, look, if you're leading people to Christ, you are now the spiritual parent of that new baby in Christ. And it's your job to disciple them and to raise them with the church, obviously, with the whole faith family, but you are the primary disciple maker in that disciple's life. Um, so that is the three circles. Now, uh, some people, and you can draw this any way you want, some people start here. And uh, a typical uh, kind of evangelistic method is you start with uh, creation, and then you go to the fall, and then you go to the, you go to, uh, the rescue, and you go to the redemption. Okay, you can go to any number of things. Um, so some people like to start here. Hey, creation, God made it, everything was perfect. And then sin entered the world in Genesis 3. And now because of that, we live in this brokenness. And so um, in, any number of way that you draw this, whether you start here or here, is merely a preference. Um, but, uh, and also just another thing, uh, if you know scripture well enough and you want to talk it out as you do it, I would encourage you to do that, right? Uh, Romans 3.23, for the wages of sin is death, right? Um, in other places, John 14, 6, right? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. That's why through me. Uh, if you have verses in your head, I would encourage you, please write them down on here if you know them because if you're writing this down on a napkin or a piece of paper, you give that to that person if they leave. They can go home, re reflect on it, read it, look it up all the passages, um, and then that piece of paper becomes basically a track that you just made um, for that person. So, let me stop for a second. Any questions on this tool? This is designed to be a very simple um, thing that you can draw on a napkin or on the back of a business card, or you can verbally communicate it too. Um, yeah. Oh, sorry, that's really uh, bad. Uh, recover. Sorry. Pursue and recover. And, and once again, adapt the language to your context. So with Mormons, uh, we sometimes use different words. Um, and if you're ministering to other people, maybe use words that are relevant to the context. So if sin is really not a great word that's going to get a great response, then don't use sin. Use rebellion, but make sure it's obviously biblical. <laughs> but um, adapt it as you see fit so that it fits the person you're talking to and it doesn't lose any uh, biblical grounding. Yeah. Any other questions on that? So now the fun part is... Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, Bob's got these little things uh, that I've got on this table. If you guys want these, these are just little pamphlets that walk you through how to do this. And it shows you, and if, once again, if, if you're not even comfortable doing this verbally, that's okay too, right? Baby steps. Um, you can just walk somebody through this pamphlet. Hey, there's God's design. It's got the scriptures on here, everything, and it gets to the back. And everything's got scriptures, it's got questions. Hey, what should I do now? And what's next? Prayer, church, Bible. Uh, share with somebody that you did this conversation. All that kind of stuff. There's also a free app on your phone for this um, if you, on Android or your iPhones called uh, Life on Mission. 
um, which is really great. Um, and you can swipe through it on your phone, and it even plays a video. So even if you don't want to talk about it, you can push play and say, hey, watch this real quick, and then I want to talk to you about it afterwards. And it plays a video that's very well done, and it's a guy in his hand drawing this out with music, and it's really well done. And then afterwards, you can take the phone back and say, hey, where do you think you're at right now, Steve? Do you feel like in that video you were here or here? You know, so you can use it on your phone. Uh, and then uh, one of the books I was going to recommend is to buy this book. Um, if you're looking to live in this type of a way, in this type of life a little bit more intentionally, this is an incredibly easy read, but it's phenomenal and intentional, very practical. Every single, I, I highlighted pretty much the entire book, um, which is fantastic. But all through the way, um, and what I love about this book, and more and more books are being written like this now, thankfully, but at the end of every chapter, even in the midst of it, they've got questions like, do you believe God is calling you to be on mission with him? If so, in what ways? Why or why not? What do you sense he's saying to you about your role? I mean, it's, it's not just ethereal knowledge type of a book. This book is like, here's what you should do, and here's a bunch of questions that's going to help you process what you're reading so it actually affects your behavior in your life when you leave and get done with this book. So uh, if you guys want to read a book, that would be a fantastic book. Uh, Life on Mission, sorry. Life on Mission, it's on Amazon. You can also go to the lifeonmissionbook.com and get it. Um, uh, Dustin Willis. I'll just, uh, if anyone wants to look at it, I'll just leave it up here. Don't take it, it's my only copy, please. <laughs> but these, these little copies. Hey, Bob. Looks like the battery died on that. I don't know when it died. I just noticed it. So it's Hey, uh, the, the battery is dead in this pack. I mean, it's I just turned it on. It was off. So it it must have died at some point. I just now just looked down to unmute it and it's it's blinking. So it's going to die in like another second probably, but Luckily, we're, we're pretty much done, I guess, at this point. The rest of it's just kind of Q&A type of stuff, unless you want to record that, but it's fine. It's probably okay. So, all right. Let's come back together. How many of you guys, how many of you guys had time to share at least one or two people at each table? You guys all have a chance to do that? Cool. I know that you guys were just, nice job. I say you guys all working hard back there, uh. I know it's a lot that I just threw at you from a lot of stuff, from platforms and the 15-second story thing to three circles. It's a lot of stuff to probably digest. Um, sorry, not sorry, but uh, <laughs> hopefully you've picked up something tonight um, that encourages you uh, to take a step in the right direction, to be intentional, to be more aware, and to have some tools in your toolbox when you're out in the real world uh, living for Jesus. Um, and so... Uh, anyone, anyone want to share any questions, comments, insights uh, that they found in the three circles process, even while you were sharing it with one another?
Sure. Sure, yeah. Tact is always a good thing. <laughs> Any other insights or thoughts or comments? I think... Uh, Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and that's a great question. So, like, when I'm talking to Mormons, uh, I typically say, even in our brokenness, and some ways that we try and get out of our brokenness are, you know, like going to the temple, you know, and getting, you know, doing all these good works, thinking that it's going to save us or get us someplace with God, or uh, going on a mission or even being a missionary. These are all things that are, could be potentially good things, but they all snap us back to this because those things aren't the answer. Jesus is the answer, not good works. And so, and that's, and that's another part with Mormons is as I draw this arrow, you know, so the only, you don't see a temple in this example unless they're here on the brokenness side. The only way to get to God's design is through Jesus. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, and if you know the person, obviously you can kind of contextualize these brokenness things to their situation. If they struggle with alcohol, you can say, "Look, Steve, like we've we've tried this thing, right?" If if you have that, if you feel like that's appropriate to say, right? And so you can kind of contextualize those things to the person, your city, that area. I mean, there's places where we've shared this where prostitution is just running.